Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? Oh, on today's show, we have the Super Bowl recap. We're going to be talking about the game. We're going to be talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes. We're going to be talking about Brock Purdy. We're going to be talking about Shanahan. Uh, we're going to be talking about Taylor Swift and the Taylor Swift bump in viewership. We'll, we'll be talking about all things related to the Super Bowl, as well as notable league news and transactions. We'll cover that as well. But let's get started with the Super Bowl recap here. And I went 49ers. Jeff, you went Chiefs. The Chiefs won it in overtime. It's a great so, game. Jeff, you got it right. 25 to 22. Go ahead and get us kick started there. I got a walk-off win. Like, uh... It was a game that as soon as Kansas City won, the only person in the on the field that knew that Kansas City won was uh, Patrick Mahomes. It looks like, um, was it McCole Hardman that caught the game winner? He didn't even know yeah. that they had won the, the game based on that catch. So there is some confusion around the new OT rules, which I'm assuming coaches should have went over better with their players, at least their captains. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes at age of 28 is already a three-time MVP in my in the Super Bowl and uh in my opinion he's already a Hall of Famer like not even a question for me like if you retired tomorrow already a Hall of Famer he doesn't need to compile stats I know Alex and I have had a nice little discussion offline about stat compilers like Matt Ryan and whether they deserve to be a Hall of Famer or not um but uh Patrick Mahomes has been elite since he's been in the league um and as you had mentioned, 123.4 million watched the Super Bowl. Uh, it is the most watched Super Bowl in NFL history. And I know you attribute that to a certain pop star that we agreed not to mention that you've already mentioned five minutes into the to our telecast here. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure there was some bump from that, but the halftime show was excellent. Um, it, it brought back some early 2000s nostalgia that I had forgotten as part of yesteryear. Was there anyone's performance in the Super Bowl that stuck out to you for the Chiefs? I thought you were going to talk about the halftime show. Um, <laughs> as far as performance, I thought the entire defense was incredible. I thought that McDuffie played pretty much shut down corner. I thought Sneed played really well, but Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, tore up. San Francisco's offensive line, basically all by himself, had Brock Purdy running all day. Brock Purdy, surprisingly, avoided about four or five sacks, which is pretty impressive. So uh, I think Purdy did as well as he could get. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure any quarterback other than Tom Brady would have beaten the Chiefs the way that they came out in the second half. So it's tough. Uh, Travis Kelsey played really well. That's despite being taken out, like seemingly every other play. I thought Rasheed Rice kind of disappointed a little bit. I thought Pacheco, in my opinion, kind of disappointed a little bit. Uh, I still think Kansas City needs to improve their offense, but they won without that because uh, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, and the players on defense did a phenomenal job and might be one of the best defensive performances I've seen in a while, especially against uh, an offense that was supposed to be as potent as the 49ers are with Christian McCaffrey, who 
should have been MVP or at least gotten more votes for it. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think, in my opinion, he kind of got shut down a little bit. And Debo getting a hamstring injury at probably the worst time kind of hampered him a little bit. He and uh, Brock Purdy weren't able to get good timing because Brock was being hit on almost every throw or chased down by defenders. And uh, Jawan Jennings, I think, had some crucial moments. I think he might be more involved, um, depending on how things play out. And we can certainly talk about the Brandon Ayuk drama after we, we do our recap here. But Kyle Yushik, I thought, had some crucial plays, and I thought he could have had a bigger day as well. So it was very competitive. And I, I just think, to me, the better defense is what won the game rather than the better quarterback, if that makes sense. Yeah, and uh, you just mentioned Kyle Yushik, and I believe that he's a one-of-a-kind tight end. Uh, we were at our friend's Tied house. Fullback hybrid. Yeah, you know. the fullback. That's what I meant. Um, he's just a pass catching tight or fullback that just doesn't exist anymore. I'm not even used to saying it. It's not even part of my muscle memory. But I was with people this weekend. They were asking why more teams don't utilize fullbacks like that because I don't think there's very many Kyle use checks in the NFL in football in general. So this is kind of why fullback is not used that particular way. Um, well, OG Texans fans know that James Casey was the original use check, and that that was also Shanahan being the OC for the Texans at that time. Yeah, they just come they come far and few between, and maybe Shanahan has an eye for them. Um, Shanahan definitely has his way that he likes to run his offenses. Um, I'm not sure that it's conducive to having star wide receivers or not, but uh, he definitely has a system that he likes to run. And I I know you're a huge Shanahan fan. How do you feel about Shanahan before we get into his overtime blunder? Uh, how do you feel about Shanahan right now? Well, I feel like Shanahan let the entire team down. And I, I've been a Shanahan family fan for at least 25 years now. So Shan- Mike Shanahan, when he was the Broncos coach, Kyle, uh, when he was the Texans offensive coordinator, even like Kubiak because he was the head coach of the Texans for a while. So off the Shanahan tree. So I like the Shanahans. I like their, the offensive tree. I'm kind of disappointed in Kyle, and it seems like the big moments in playoffs, the team kind of doesn't feel prepared enough. Kyle didn't really do himself any favors this week by being drunk on media day and then having this lackluster performance and then the overtime blunder here where he he wanted the possession first so he could get a third possession. But Jeff, with these overtime rules, it doesn't seem like there'll ever be a third possession. Is that correct? So he did not prepare his team at all for overtime. This is kind of what I've gathered through the media. I think that's a problem given we're in the playoffs. You're playing one of the toughest teams in the NFL, obviously the toughest team in the other conference. So to think that this game is going to end in regulation, I just think there is some sort of uh, overconfidence with that. I believe that he should have at least looped in the team captains on what to do in a coin toss, what the rules are. Um, Kyle Juszczyk, that we've already talked about in the media this week, said that he thought that they wanted the ball because they'd go down and score and the game would be over. That's the way it is in the regular season. That is not the way it is in the postseason. And to be honest with you, I really like these new postseason rules because it has it's like a game of chess, math and chess all in together. And that's right down my alley. So. 
in a scenario here, let's say San Francisco wins the toss and they decide to receive, which is exactly what happened. If they got three points on that first drive, Kansas City knows they need at least three points, but ideally a touchdown to win. Game's over. Now, if San Francisco marched down the field and scored a touchdown and an extra point, because they would never go for two at that point, because the chess matchup there says if you missed that extra point, then all the other team has to do is go down and score a touchdown and get the, the extra point and the game is over. So they, that is not what they're going to, they're not going to make it that easy. So basically they would be up by seven. The chiefs would get the ball. And if the chiefs marched down and scored, which is exactly what they did, they would go for two. Patrick Mahomes said as much in the media this week that they were prepared to go for two. If San Francisco scored on that first drive, because a, you don't want to take the game out of Patrick Mahomes hands in sudden death overtime. No coach is ever going to want to do that. You're going to want to put the ball into your playmakers. Two-yard play, all on the line. Here you go. You don't want your defense going out there and playing a sixth quarter of football. And all they need is a field goal to win it. So I think I think the risk is much less to go for two than it would have been to uh, kick off the ball to San Francisco in that. So with that being said, if you receive the ball and you score any type of way, you pretty much make it a four-down field for that other team the entire rest of the way. And that's a pretty big advantage, especially for Patrick Mahomes. Imagine if he had four downs the entire game, how many points they probably would have scored. So it's just, uh, I would have rather had it go the other way where Patrick Mahomes is the person that has to, is forced to go to score the first time. And then you either have to match him or exceed him uh, with your young quarterback. But on that scenario, your young quarterback gets four downs every time to uh, try to try to match that versus giving Patrick four downs. Anything I missed there? As far as overtime, no. I think that's about right. I, I just don't understand it. I don't know if Kyle wasn't fully understanding what the rules meant. I don't know if he didn't want to put Brock Purdy in a high-pressure situation to try to win the game as the second possession if the Chiefs scored a touchdown. I don't know what the thought process was, but it doesn't make any sense to go third but we wanted to get the third possession. It just it doesn't make sense for <laughs> all the reasons that you explained. I, yeah, I, don't, I just I, don't I just, think it'll ever happen. Yeah, maybe it will. If both coaches are pretty conservative, but I, I just I don't get it. And yeah. it's not a good look. Like everything in totality for the week doesn't it doesn't shine a good light on uh, Kyle Shanahan when it comes to these big moments. I think I think he's getting a little cocky and confident in in himself and. Uh, I think he needs to realize that celebrations for after you win, not before the, you play the game. That's that's just not good. Yeah. Um, also, they were pre-complaining about the field conditions on their practice field, and they got to the regular field, and Debo had a non-contact hamstring injury. Drake Greenlaw tore his Achilles running out to the f- to the field, like. I just don't know what to believe. It wasn't even running out to the field. He tried to like bear crawl to the field and then all of a sudden hurt himself. It was, like, it was the strangest thing to watch. And it's like, there goes one of your good defensive players. I don't know what he was doing, but he just got himself hurt. And now he's hurting his entire team. Um, in addition to like the practice field stuff, there's also the pulling the fire alarm for the 49ers like two nights before. At least it wasn't the night before, as far as I know, but yeah. still like, Ultimately, I don't I don't think that they looked prepared at all. But at the same time, the Chiefs looked pretty awful in the first half, for the offense anyway. And you had mentioned Spagnolo um, this game, but I think he had a heck of a playoff run. I don't oh, yeah. think it was just this game. I think these these three or four games in the playoffs. Yeah, he played three of the highest scoring teams all season, and pretty much 
scheme them out and shut them down. So it's incredible. I think someone did a compil compilation of the teams, and they all together averaged like almost 29 points a game. And he shaved like 14 points off that average, which is insane. So kept Baltimore at 10 points, kept Buffalo at only 24, you know, San Francisco 22, uh, kept Miami at 7. It's It's pretty crazy. Like all, all four of those teams were high scoring teams this year. Yeah. And I'm glad this all happened in the postseason because now he can't get a head coaching gig. Cause you know how I feel about defensive coaches getting head coaching gigs. So I, he's, mess- I think there's already an agreement that he'll be the next coach when Reed retires. That's my guess. Maybe, but uh, you know how I feel about defensive head coaches. Um, their whole goal is to mess up offense. So whether it's to mess up, an opposing team's offense as a defensive coordinator or messing up their own offense as a head coach. That's their whole goal in life is to mess up an offense. Uh, no, the whole, the whole goal is to be risk <laughs> adverse rather than. No, I no. think, I think Andy Reed was, was uh, very gutsy in this mm. game. Uh, I know we had talked offline about the Travis Kelsey push, but he didn't react to it. They're going to handle it behind closed doors, which is great, which shows that Andy Reid has no ego and all he wants to do is win. I, Because I, they could have easily punished Kelsey and sat him for the rest of the game there based on his actions. So glad to see Reid doesn't have a huge male ego where he needs to be right in the moment. Um, even with the bad optics, he just wants to win no matter what. And I think that came off in that moment. I think the only thing that we haven't discussed in this game, though, is Brock Purdy's performance. And I think overall that Brock Purdy was really decent in this matchup. Um, his The negatives of him is they didn't let him throw that first touchdown pass. So in the first half, the one touchdown pass went to a wide receiver. So that was an interesting call. But as you've mentioned to me, Shanahan likes to have these gadgety type of plays in his arsenal. But I do think that speaks to some of the overconfidence of Shanahan, where he thinks that he needs to be better than the offensive skill position players on his team. And it's his scheme and his way. And that, to me, is a slight negative of him. I do think that he's going to be a coach that is in the playoffs consistently and running a deep playoff run consistently. But as far as Purdy goes, Mahomes did show out why he is a three-time Super Bowl MVP and Brock Purdy is a second-year quarterback. I do think Purdy is one of the better quarterbacks for the Shanahan system. I do think there's a few quarterbacks that might be better, like a Kirk Cousins or um, those type of quarterbacks. I mean, in a world, there was a world where Shanahan wanted Mac Jones as his quarterback instead of Trey Lance a couple of years back in the draft, so that would have been an interesting uh, turn. He's available for cheap. Let's see if Shanahan trades for him. It's possible as a backup right now. I think Purdy has to enter next year as the starter. But as far as I'm concerned, the 49ers are in the exact same spot that they were four years ago, except for they're a little more talented on offense, like skill position wise right now. But they're kind of in the exact same spot. They were up 10 on the Chiefs and they lost that game. They're up 10 on the Chiefs and they lost this game. So I think that it was that game that that convinced Shanahan to move off of Garoppolo. And I'm wondering if this game here is what will convince Shanahan that Purdy's never going to be the one that goes and wins a game. He'll be a guy that can keep them in games and keep them relevant. But maybe Shanahan wants to go take a stab at the guy sometime. And we'll see if this is the year. 
I know you're going to want to talk about comparisons with Purdy and Garoppolo pretty soon, but I will just say when it comes to playoffs, Brock Purdy is a much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo was. And Jimmy Garoppolo's failure in the playoffs was he just looked really bad underthrowing guys. He didn't make the correct reads. Like he just didn't look like a quarterback who could win. Brock Purdy supposedly had these great wide receivers that had over a thousand yards and were really good wide receivers. Well, they got shut down by the Chiefs secondary. They got shut down by the SPAC's system, very sticky man coverage. They stopped playing zone in the second half and played almost exclusively man coverage to shut down the Shanahan offense. And those corners are very physical and they pretty much bodied Ayuk and Debo. Maybe Debo could have pulled something a little bit more off other than his hamstring, but I mean, ultimately it wasn't a good situation. And when they were able to break through coverage, it was too late. Chris Jones or Carl office were already in Brock Purdy's face. He was either sacked or chased out of the pocket, had to throw the ball away. I'm not, I'm not sure that there is a quarterback out there in Brock's situation that would have done significantly better. Like You can maybe argue Josh Allen would have been better in that situation. But outside of that, I really don't think so because they've already done this to Tua. They've already done this to Josh Allen. Josh Allen has just as good of an offense around him, in my opinion, as Brock Purdy does. Um, they did it to to Lamar as well. So who who's going to beat him? I mean, who's going who's gonna to beat this defense? And now you can look at next year, potentially, if they don't re-sign Chris Jones, the Kansas City team, then maybe they're less potent and maybe a little bit more beatable. And you hope that they don't improve on offense. But if, this, if the Kansas City Chiefs improve on offense, it's over. It's over for everybody. And no one's going to beat them. So I, I just don't get poo-pooing on Brock, but go ahead, Jeff. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm not really down on him. I just don't think he's that much of an upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo through their first 28 games. Um, Purdy was 22 and six and Garoppolo was 21 and seven. Completion percentage was, what's that? Was that touchdowns? Um, No, that was the record of the team. Um, And completion percentage Purdy has a point on, on Garoppolo, but Garoppolo had more yards and it was 41 to 24 touchdown to INT versus 50 to 19. But here's the kicker of it all. The top four receivers for Garoppolo were George Kittle, Kendrick Bourne, Pierre Garcon, and, and Marquise Goodwin. The top four receivers for, for Brock Purdy were Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle. Like it was a night and day difference. And Kittle or um, Garoppolo was doing this without the weapons. That's the more impressive part. And to say that they're any different, I just feel like is being disingenuous. We do know what Jimmy Garoppolo turned out to be. So like that does weigh into this a little bit, but through two years, identical. I mean, I would just argue that Brock Purdy has a much better yard per yards per attempt stat than but Jimmy is that the G. And you, I, I think honestly, Jimmy G's number one problem for his entire career is his lack of being able to throw a deep ball. And I think Brock Purdy is more capable of doing that. In for my sure. opinion, yes, I think Debo and Ayuk are better than Goodwin and uh, Pierre Garçon. Pierre Garçon, I think, was good for a while in, in Indianapolis <laughs> and was probably at the tail end of his career when he was on San Francisco. But I also don't think that Debo and Ayuk are quite world beaters. I know Ayuk had 
his his best year yet, but he's more of an explosive deep threat in my opinion. More more like maybe he could be AJ Brown, but I'm not quite sold on him yet. And Debo is more of like a gadget player. He's probably the best gadget player right now, but I don't feel like either one of them is a bona fide wide receiver one. Uh, Kittle is definitely in the NFL. He's a top five tight end, I think. Um, probably in fantasy, he's top three for sure. Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the game right now. All of those are fair things, but I think Brock Purdy is also more efficient. He's more talented. Uh, I think that one of the flaws in Shanahan's usage of him is not getting him more running plays. Like you look at a couple that. of the plays that Mahomes had. Mahomes did a QB run, a QB keep run to the outside, gets a first down. I think that Purdy can be doing more of that. Um, I just think there's more creative things for them to do. But I, I think that Purdy, through his time with the 49ers, also has a better QBR uh, rating as well. So there's that. Uh, Jimmy's best QBR with the 49ers was his very first season, and it's kind of gone down virtually every single year since until he uh, was rudely sent off to pack his bags. And last year with the Raiders, he looks the worst he's ever looked. So coming from New England to San Francisco, he looks pretty good and then went downhill. And then outside San Francisco, he stinks. I I think Brock Purdy at this point, even if San Francisco decided to move on from him and they let him go somewhere else, I think he'd still be a starter. And I think he'd be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. it's so funny. They they wanted to make him pack his bags last year, but they're like, let's just hold on to you one last year and agree to a quiet, quick one-year contract because you remember that they used Lance and then Jimmy and then Purdy last year. Um, they just couldn't quite quit him, but they finally did, and he finally moved on. Um, but I do expect like a similar career tra- trajectory for Brock Purdy, um, especially outside the Shanahan offense so my thing with Brock Purdy is he has the best offense that he's ever going to play in right now so it's not like he's that young quarterback waiting to get that offensive coordinator to take him to the next level he's at that level already so I just don't really know what in the NFL could get the NFL could give him more than he already has to improve so I think we're at his ceiling in his year two season but he also was a four-year starter in college so I just believe that Purdy's at his ceiling and I'm wondering and it's fair to wonder to see if San Francisco goes out and drafts another quarterback this year because that's what they did with Garoppolo the year that they failed to win the Super Bowl because if you remember correctly Garoppolo overthrew a wide open wide receiver to lose that Super Bowl like 40 50 yards down the field and in this one Purdy was overshooting Debo and Ayuk by four or five yards in a 20 and a, a route that was less than 20 yards so kind of similar eerily similar results with well on one of them are you quit on the route and i will also say that like i said earlier this was incredibly tight coverage like brock was throwing into very tight windows on guys that were very covered That's the NFL. he was also getting hit on almost every throw in the pocket and or on the run because someone was chasing him i don't think I think the offensive line was better when Jimmy was playing. But I also think Jimmy was just wildly more inaccurate on more throws. Oh, yeah. Like, can Brock Purdy have 
some bad ball placement sometimes. Absolutely. I, I saw a couple instances of it during the game, but I also saw that his receivers were constantly covered, and he's used to being able to throw the ball in about 2.5 seconds, and he wasn't able to because everyone was covered and they weren't busting loose. So by the time they got loose, it's too late. Defender was about to kill him. So it's, it's kind of tough to judge. I think he's better than Jimmy on almost every level. I think the last time that they traded for a quarterback, they traded up, was a spectacular failure, and they had to give him away for dirt cheap. So I don't think that that's a reasonable option this year. Uh, I don't think that they're in a position to be able to do that. I don't think it makes sense. I think that uh, Trent Williams, I think he said he's coming back next year, but he is, he is. very old at offensive line. Um, they're, their right side needs help. I think that they should, they'd be better off retooling around Purdy. And it's not like uh, other quarterbacks that we can name. Purdy's at least and about the top 15 of quarterbacks, which is really hard to do better than that, honestly. So that's, that's just how I feel. Maybe if they struggle next year and they have a higher draft pick, maybe they can try again the next draft. But honestly, I think Brock Purdy is as good as they're going to get in the foreseeable future. I think that they could use one of their 100 third-round supplemental picks to draft a quarterback in the third round because you have admitted that this is a very deep quarterback draft and something that they're not using a ton of draft capital on, and Sam Darnold's gone anyways, so they do need to look at a backup quarterback. After this upcoming year, so after 2024 season, Brock Purdy will be extension eligible. So you're going to want to start looking at quarterbacks now to try to keep that cheap, especially if you're not looking at extending him, which I would recommend against. But we'll see if they recommend that they're going to do it or not once uh, once he becomes extension eligible. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we can... Talk about Brandon Ayuk now. Like, that's kind of <laughs> I th- interesting. I thought you were going to say we could move on, and I said, like, the 49ers from Brock Purdy. Oh! I don't know if that's even going to happen, even in a couple <laughs> years from now, let alone this year. So, uh, I think a lot of teams are trading up for quarterbacks. I think they're going to be out of luck. You don't Let's think see. they could get one in the third round? No, I think they're all going to go in the first and second round. All the ones we're taking. Yeah, it's supposed to be a really terrible quarterback draft next year. So the teams that were thinking about it over this year, next year, like, oh, we should start looking at a quarterback. They're going to all do it this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see where they go in that direction. We're going to have a lot of quarterback news. And as you were saying, Ayuk, there's a lot of questions going around Ayuk right now. Yeah, apparently Ayuk and his entire family were very upset with his usage in the Super Bowl. And first started with his girlfriend uh, making references on Instagram to leaving um, San Francisco. and. That was interesting. It's like, is she just upset and just talking for herself? But then Brandon Ayuk's brother slash friend, kind of conflicting results there, uh, reports, I should say, uh, mentioned that uh, don't forget what who got you there very vaguely. And then uh, AB Las Vegas. So I, I don't know if they want to go to Las Vegas or they're just referencing the Super Bowl in Vegas. I don't know what the deal is with that. <laughs> uh, and then Ayuk made his own vague Instagram post. Um, so that was interesting. And then he did uh, that press conference where they, they interviewed him and he answered. Uh, they asked him if he wanted to stay with the 49ers. And he said, if if that's the best situation, then yes, which is kind of, Milk toast, lukewarm, and not exactly like, heck yes, I want to stay with the 49ers. No, left it open to go somewhere else. So, Jeff, 
What do you make of all this? So my brain gets going the moment that you start mentioning things like Las Vegas. I could easily see him replacing Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams being traded to the Jets because there seems to be some smoke around Aaron Rodgers recruiting him to come play for the Jets and him wanting to go play for the Jets. And there it could be a three-team trade where the Jets get Devontae Adams and the Raiders get Brandon Ayuk and the 49ers get a couple of players in exchange or a couple of uh, either players because the Jets are stacked on defense or a couple of uh, draft picks. So it'd be really interesting to see where that goes. But this is all very possible stuff in this offseason. I think this offseason is going to be a great offseason overall. Brock Purdy did admit that he should have looked Brandon Ayuk's way, especially on that last drive, and he didn't. And uh, I can kind of see some of Brandon Ayuk's gripes because it is very frustrating losing over and over again and losing like this and if you remember correctly to start off his career he was in the shanahan doghouse but his talent kind of dug him out of that doghouse multiple times over the years so he is talented now, kyle shanahan said he was never in his doghouse he was just under coached as a college athlete do you believe that no idea no idea <laughs> i just wanted to know if you believed your coach or not he's your coach he disappointed but... me he needs to he needs to switch stuff around but yeah, I mean, selfishly, I would love to see him go play for the Buffalo Bills or a team like that with a with a real quarterback. Obviously, he won't go play for the Chiefs because there's no way San Francisco trades a player to make the Chiefs better. So there's just it's just not a because they're in their head. They're thinking they're going back to the Super Bowl. And if they trade Ayuk to the Chiefs, they would meet Ayuk and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again, because that that would make the Chiefs by far the best team in the AFC by far. Just what trading okay. that one person. A lot of points there. So, one, you and I both know the Bills will never improve the situation around Josh Allen for whatever reason. They just won't do it. Two, are the 49ers now playing chess to get Brandon IU to the Raiders to make the Raiders more competitive to knock the Chiefs out? I don't know. Chess. Yep. I mean, they know Aiden O'Connell at quarterback can sling the ball, and he's a gun slinger. So if he has three wide receivers to throw to, he's just gonna gonna light it up. He's gonna be the number one quarter. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to get you to roll your eyes, but um, I I just it to me it doesn't make sense to trade Brandon Ayuk unless you don't like him, you don't want him. And in that case, I don't think I would trade him to the Raiders. I think I would trade him somewhere else in the AFC. Like, I'm. It would make sense for the 49ers if they could get decent a decent draft haul from the bills to trade up to the bills because the bills would be the team in the afc that could potentially beat the chiefs but i just don't see the bills doing that and i don't see them being able to offer enough i don't know i mean maybe the chargers with the uh, harbaugh i don't know all right we will see where he goes uh he there always is that possibility that he ends up with the 49ers and we are just speculating right now because there is a chance that the 49ers gave him a take it or leave it deal and they said they were going to trade him if he didn't take it there's always a possibility of that because he's going to be playing on the fifth year more expensive option for for the 49ers next year as of right now all right we can move on to the giants will reportedly not tag saquon barkley alex i know you have a few locations you would like barkley to go where is your top three areas that you would like saquon barkley to go I think the number one spot for him should be the Los Angeles Chargers with Harbaugh. Harbaugh really likes to use uh, running backs, and I think him and Justin Herbert would be ideal for both of them. I know they've briefly, warmly talked about Eckler, but Eckler has kind of 
dropped off the uh, running back cliff. So I don't know if he can return to form or not. Outside of that, outside of the Chargers, outside of the Giants, I think the Texans would make a lot of sense in some regard, just because they have a gaping opening at running back right now and have a quarterback who can use uh, running back to that caliber. I don't know if they're looking at the draft to address it or a veteran. That's an option. Uh, I think the Eagles and the Cowboys, which are the Giants' rivals in that division, I think either team would be a good fit for him as well because the Eagles have an open spot. Cowboys might decide to move on for Pollard, and I think Barkley is definitely way better than Pollard at this stage. We all know Jerry Jones likes star players. Take him away from a division rival. I, I think it, that would work for both the Eagles and the Cowboys as well. So those are all the ones that make the most sense to me. Jeff, do you agree, disagree? Do you have any other spots? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand the Giants thinking here. Like you're going to tag him and not get anything for him. Just because they tag him doesn't mean they need to get that first, those two first round picks in return. They can tag and trade him for any compensation. The, t- the two first round picks if he gets signed to an offer sheet. So I just don't understand letting a talent like Barkley walk with nothing. And the fact that we're at this spot right now, I mean, it, there's still a possibility that Barkley signs a long-term deal with the Giants because he did say a couple of weeks ago that he does want to be a Giant for life still, but he realizes the business side of everything with this franchise tag business, and that's kind of what he's been dealing with for the last year. But yeah, I would love to see him part of the Chargers. The Giants got to save that Minshew money. <laughs> They're going to need somebody to compete with Daniel Jones because that is not it. Yeah, I don't know if they, they can maybe trade him away to somebody. Also, no I weapons. Yeah. That's a problem. They have no quarterback, no weapons. And then you expect to be able the, to do good. If you're the Giants, do you trade up from six to try to get a quarterback? Do you stay where you are and take the third or fourth best wide receiver? Like, what do you do? Because I feel like you, you might pick between quarterback or an offensive weapon, but you might end up with neither. You might end up with only one and might not be able to address the other one. What do you do? Can they move back and draft a quarterback a little bit later in the first and try to yeah, gain, they, get stock maybe. picks for the year after? But then you're looking at McCarthy or Knicks, and do you feel comfortable with them as a first-round pick? I mean, you might have to to get the fifth-year option, but yeah. I don't know. But I'm just thinking out loud because that would help them get the quarterback this year and then potentially put pieces around the quarterback the year after. But we all know how that works because – Bryce Young in Carolina is going through that right now where he didn't have a ton of stellar weapons around him. And uh, I do think that hampers a quarterback's ability to uh, to really accelerate the growth. So Stroud had Nico Collins, who he had an immediate connection with. He also had an immediate connection with Tank Dell. And then they also brought in uh, Dalton Schultz. Like They had a, a plan right from the get-go of building chemistry with his weapons, which which I do believe Dalton Schultz will be back with the Texans next year, and hopefully on a multi-year deal and not a franchise tag, because I believe he's been tagged once before. I honestly think Jaden Daniels might be an interesting quarterback selection for the Giants, because they're used to Daniel Jones being a little bit mobile, and I think that he could maybe sit a year until they can get rid of uh, Daniels' contract and kind of develop a little bit more. And he also has that really filthy uh, deep ball. So I think him and uh, Jalen Hyatt will be best friends if he can just toss bombs down the field to him. So we'll see. Yeah. And then, um, so 
we can go ahead and move forward with another tag. It looks like, from what we have been discussing, that it looks like I'm going to be correct here, and T. Higgins is likely to be franchise tagged by the Bengals. Now, it does not, no report comes out that says that T. Higgins is going to be kept by the Bengals. I think that this is a way for the Bengals to send T. Higgins to the team that they want to send him to versus him going to like a division rival like Baltimore or something like that where they have to face him a couple times a year. So I think they want to be very selective of where they want to send him to and get some compensation in return where they send him to. So I don't know if this means they keep him. What are your thoughts on this? To me, it seems like their years, last few years kept going wrong and uh, they kept getting the injury bug. They might just be getting the band back together to see if they can win a Super Bowl ring before they blow stuff up. Um, so I, I think that's probably part of it. And the other part is if somebody does offer something and blows them out of the water, they would trade them. So if Tennessee comes out and they're like, hey, we'll give you the eighth overall pick, I'm sure they would do it in a heartbeat. Those are really the only two options. I don't really see after the injury plague season that he had last year, I don't really see a team wanting to trade that much for him, especially since he's on a one-year tag, uh, they might just wait until next year when it's less likely that they tag him. So I think he'll probably be a Bengal this year. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but uh, we'll see what that means because we have a whole offseason of people desperate for wide receivers, and desperation has bred some very interesting uh, moves. Do they trade yeah, him but- and get another receiver in the first round? Yeah, they could also get another LSU receiver. So they can they can get Thomas at LSU. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And the offseason is going to be amazing as always. And I don't even really think of it as an offseason anymore. It's kind of like the season where they don't play. Because there's there is there's always action going on behind the scenes. And one piece of action that has come out recently is the Broncos will decide very shortly what they're going to do with Russell Wilson. And that is right from the mouth of Sean Payton. So this is a legitimate source and no speculation here. What do you speculate that Sean Payton meant with a decision will come soon with Russell Wilson? Oh, I, I think it's whether they can stomach the cap hit that's going to ensue if they release or trade him. I think that's probably the number one thing they have to weigh against what they expect his performance will be at the starting position. If they move on from him, and if they trade up for a quarterback, I don't know what that's going to look like because I think they can improve at so many spots and quarterback isn't necessarily going to move the needle for them at this point. So I don't really care for Russell Wilson at this stage in his career, but I don't think that it makes sense for them to move on from him. I hope they can come to an arrangement where he can reduce his, his uh, epit, but I think they're stuck. Yeah, I, as far as Russ goes, ugh, I I would be a little heartbroken to see them run it back after the way they treated him last year. We know for sure Jarrett Stidham's not the guy. It's probably better to move on from Jarrett Stidham at this point because they're paying him an arm and a leg also. Because if you remember, I think it was like a three-year, like $18 million deal or something ridiculous like that. I don't think we know he's not the guy. He only had those two starts, Jeff. I think he needs a few more games. <laughs> okay, if you want to run it back with Jared Stidham next year, then by all means. Um, we do know that Jerry Judy's not the guy. We do know that Cortland Sutton probably should find a new team because he deserves a better quarterback and more stable situation. Um, but they're kind of a team in turmoil. 
Sean Payton's a coach that I could see getting fired in the next couple of years because of the way that he's going to be handling the situation and costing the team money. I almost oh, think right. the Broncos should trade the number the number 12 pick overall for a bunch of picks this year and next year and just roll the like just roll with Russell one more year. If you're terrible, you'll have a high pick next year. Um, but just pick up as much draft capital as you can for teams desperate to get a quarterback this year. That, that seems like the best move. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Or they could trade for Justin Fields, who looks like he might be on the move this offseason. Do you think that the Broncos could trade for Justin Fields, or do you have any other teams no. on the hunt for him? Uh, I think that the Steelers are the number one option right now if Chicago drafts a quarterback and trades Fields. I, I think that a lot of people want to say Atlanta. Um, I don't see that right now. Uh, I, I think that the Raiders are an option for him. I think that to me, those are the most likely teams. But Jeff, what do you? Where do you think that fields go? Do you think a team like the Patriots are even interested? What do you think? Yeah, I do. Um, we know that they're going to be moving off of Mac Jones in some way, shape, or form this off season. So I could easily see them landing Justin Fields or an equivalent. Um, but the Steelers do seem like one of the more likely landing spots, although they're being tied to Ryan Tannehill right now, which I know thrills you more than anything. It doesn't really move the needle one way or another, but I do think Tannehill, even at this stage in his career, is better than Kenny Pickett. They feel a lot like the same, though. <laughs> well, Tannehill has bigger hands, and he can actually throw the ball further than 10 feet. Can they do a hand transplant where uh, they give Tannehill's hands to Kenny Pickett? Why don't they just steal Kenny Pickett's youth and give it to Tannehill? I think that would be more effective. That's fair. Well, fountain of youth. But uh, as we had mentioned here, Mac Jones, and it appears Zach Wilson will be likely on the move this offseason as the Jets and the Patriots look to move off of their young... I got it. I got it. Zach Wilson to Denver for cheap. Mac Jones to the 49ers for cheap. Solved. Done. I don't know if anyone wants to pay Zach Wilson his second overall pick compensation well they he don't want to pay russell either so where's russ going in that deal russell russell might weirdly end up with the raiders which would be the strangest thing but i could see russell most likely going to atlanta i think that would make sense if they move on from him that's it right there you hit it everyone's tying justin fields to atlanta but i don't see the bears ever trading them him in the nfc because I think that he has like seven, eight years left in his career, and you don't ever want to go head to head with the guy that you traded. Like, even if you're confident in the and you're comfortable with the compensation you get back, you don't want that one year where he bumps you out of the playoffs because then you look like the jerk that did, did that. So, and that's not something that you could ever come back from. All right. Uh, also, for the Steelers, they moved on from the former first quarterback taken over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And uh, Mitchell Trubisky is now released into the wild. So he will he will find himself being the second or third quarterback on a, another team somewhere, but I don't, he'll never be a starter again. Nope. And uh, I don't, I'm not even sure that he finds another team. I mean, unless he goes back to the Bills and backs up Josh Allen again, because he did actually a pretty decent in that role. Uh, positive. Quarterback news. Anthony Richardson has resumed throwing after a successful surgery on his shoulder. So we get to see videos on uh, Instagram and X over the next couple of months for updates. I know, Jeff, you love that. I, 
I like Anthony Richardson. I'm just wondering if we're going to see him complete one football game, start and complete one football game this year. Oh, we will. <laughs> and he will be a fantasy superstar, just like we always thought he would be. It will be real and fantastic for all the Seinfeld fans out there. And uh, lastly, we have a negative. Actually, we've got a few out here. Uh, Zay Flowers, the only receiver worth a darn on the Ravens, is under investigation for domestic violence. We have no other updates, no other details, as far as as far as I know, anyway. So, not good. Um, I hope he's uh, cleared, and I don't think that he's been charged with anything. So, hopefully, uh, this isn't real and goes away and was false alarm, but kind of concerning. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why we're bringing this up now before we get real information is because... Right after the Super Bowl, Dynasty websites like Reality Sports Online reopened, and Alex and I rejoined our leagues already. So Zay Flowers might be a guy that you would want to trade or consider trading if you have any concerns about how this domestic violence situation is going to go. And for those of you out there that don't know, Reality Sports Online is probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Dynasty Dynasty websites, and it is a rookie draft. It has a veteran free agent auction draft, and you can do contracts. So one year, two year, three year, four year. You can, as a commissioner, you can set how many contracts teams get each year. You play with the real NFL salary cap. You can set all your positions. I really enjoy it. This is, I think, the sixth or seventh year that I've done it. Been at least four leagues now, and probably more. So I, I enjoy it quite a bit. It's the same for me, and. Uh... Yeah, I was excited to see my league react, my leagues reactivate this week. So now we can get down to trading two days after the Super Bowl. But uh, that's hence the podcast name, Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. It's never too early to start trading. Um, but yeah, so Zay Flowers might be a guy that you would want to give up in a dynasty league. Um, or or might be a guy that you want to go after at a discount right now. Like, you know, with that with that black cloud looming over him, you might be able to go to the Zay Jones owner, the Zay Jones, the Zay Flowers owner and get him for relatively cheap. But uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you could get Zay Jones for very, very cheap. But uh, Zay Flowers under investigation right now. That's all we know. No details have leaked out about that so far. And. Moving forward, we have a, two more bits of quarterback news. The first one is Tua and the Dolphins want to get a contract extension done as quickly as possible. Alex, what could that contract extension look like? And uh, would you want to put a clause in there if uh, Tua has another concussion or two? Honestly, I don't think Tua is a top quarterback Correct. in his league. Uh, yeah, I don't think Tua is a top quarterback in his league. I wouldn't personally pay him. I think they'd be better off trying to find another answer there. But if they do, if they do keep him and they do want to retain him, I could see probably a four or five year deal, and hopefully they have protections against the concussion stuff. So you would think there'd have to be a clause there. I just don't like the situation. It's it's another situation where I feel like the team is stuck with the quarterback that they have, but they right now they have an out, and I think that they should take the out. That's just my opinion, Jeff. Does it make sense for the Dolphins to lock down two or should they be looking elsewhere? What do you think? I've always toyed with the idea of them trading for Justin Fields, who has a little bit bigger and better of an arm, a little more mobile, a little way less accurate, though. So I don't know how that works with Tyreek and uh, Waddle, because some of that accuracy really helps them 
catch the ball on the run and get into space. So I just think there's a lot of musical chairs going on right now, and I wonder if Tua does take a discount for re-signing with the Dolphins, realizing that there's only so many chairs, and there's so many quarterbacks coming out this year that could potentially start in this league for years to come. And I'm just wondering if that drives down some of the contract extension talks of the NFL quarterbacks just this offseason, because we know next year that the quarterback draft does appear to be a lot less as far as that goes. I mean, Justin Fields to Miami would be very interesting, and he'd finally play with an offensive-minded coach with better weapons, I think a better offensive line, better running backs. I think that's something that I didn't even think about that I think could work. I, For whatever reason, though, I think they're going to stick with Tua. He's the quarterback that they know. He knows the offense. Stick with the devil you know. Yeah, so no, uh, no, no fun right there. I know. Our fantasy minds want to see that trade happen, but that's a whole offensive system that Justin Fields would have to learn and be up to speed by training camp that Tua already knows, learns, and, and has pretty much perfected as far as his skill level allows to. So I think they'll pay the devil they know versus the devil they don't know here. And I don't, I can't really say I blame them, but I would like to see them take another dip into the rookie pool and see if they can get another hidden gem. Maybe, maybe someone that's a little more durable, maybe someone that has a little more arm strength, but uh, It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. Speaking of interesting, though, we have the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. So the Vikings want Kirk Cousins back, and Kirk Cousins has named his price tag of what it's going to take to get him to play for any team, not just the Vikings this year. And that is a two-year, $90 million deal, so that's $45 million annually. I personally say he's 1,000% worth that. And any team that needs a quarterback should be just tossing that money at him. He was on a ridiculous pace last year before his Achilles injury, and he's not a rushing quarterback per se. He does he does scramble sometimes, which is surprising for him. Um, but uh, so I don't anticipate the Achilles being like a big deal in his recovery because I do think of him more as a pocket passer overall. But two years, ninety million. Who do you see? ending up with Kirk Cousins, and do you see it being the Vikings? It doesn't make sense for him to go anywhere but stay with the Vikings. I think the Vikings want him back. I think they'll work it out. He knows that system. So I don't think he's going to get the fully guaranteed contract that he originally got with the Vikings. I think I think he might get a three-year deal with two years pretty much guaranteed. So I think that's probably how it'll work out and kind of spread out the cap as well. A lot of people like seem it. to think Atlanta. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. You like that? You like that? I think Washington. Sorry, I like, Washington seems like a team that he could have played for, you know? I'm just kidding. Not again. <gasps> I You can't go backwards in life. Um, I think well, in an ideal world, Shanahan would convince him to come to the 49ers. They just don't have the cap space to keep everyone around him and him. But I do think he's a slight upgrade on Brock Purdy. And I think that with Kirk Cousins in that Super Bowl, I think they probably win that game. It's possible because... Kansas City was struggling to score, even against uh, imperfect 49ers defense. It's possible that um, they could have that the 49ers could have scored more with with Kirk Cousins, and I think Absolutely. he is. I think he is right now a little bit better than Purdy. So I think I think that that could check out. Uh, however, I don't know whose offensive line is worse between the Vikings and the 49ers at the top of my head. Vikings also threw 70% of their plays. Yeah, I mean, they were supposed to regress this year, and Kirk Cousins was on a ridiculous pace of, like, 40 touchdowns. 
Cousins, when he was healthy, the the Vikings were throwing at 70%. That dropped when Kirk Cousins went out and they had to try to be balanced. I think they made the play, would have made the playoffs this year with Kirk Cousins. So on, oh, on yeah. a year where they're supposed to be rebuilding. For sure. And uh, so this is to kind of piggyback off of that news. Justin Jefferson wants to know who his quarterback's going to be before committing to the Vikings long-term. Getting Kirk Cousins for that three-year deal that you just said might be long-term enough for him to sign. But I do think the Vikings are going to be a team that's going to have to draft a quarterback here in the next two years to start developing for Justin Jefferson's future. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for them to let him go. And if he wants Kirk Cousins, they need to resign Kirk Cousins. They need to resign Justin. But yeah, if for whatever reason, that, if for whatever reason if they move on from Justin Jefferson, then uh, Jordan Addison is going to rise up da- dynasty ranks for sure. <laughs> uh... So they yeah, need someone I, for the I first for half sure of the year. Yeah, they need someone for the first half of the year with Hawkinson likely out for a good chunk of the year. Yeah, it seems like he could be out for at least the first month of the year right now, but we'll we'll know more as we get closer to training camp because we've seen people heal quicker, heal slower from the ACL tear. Um and we'll we'll see what happens with him and it's a, it's a less it's a less stressful position than the running back position. As far as ACL tears go, there's less changing of motion and it's going to be interesting to see his recovery because not too many, Zach Ertz is one that comes to mind, but not too many tight ends have torn ACLs in the NFL. Okay, we'll see. I mean, he he does have to block bigger people and uh, make some cuts down the field as well. So They have Josh Oliver for that. We shall see, Jeffrey. I know you gave him a huge contract in the uh, previous offseason, so you're definitely hoping he comes back (laughs) much faster. I want him back tomorrow. It's okay. You can throw him in the trail. I'll take that horrible contract and that injured player. (laughs) Of course you would. All right. Well, I think that does it for this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. Yeah. All non-playing season, you can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. And with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms, we will be active all non-playing season with our opinions and takes on stuff. So please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Hi, everybody.